0: What's up, guys? Mitch from Respect Region back again with another episode of the RMR Podcast. Today, I'm joined by special guest Guy Record, CEO of Papa and Barkley. How are you doing today, Guy? I'm good, man, I'm good, hanging in there. Joining us from down there, you said in the land of weed, man, where, where exactly abouts are you today?
1: I'm in Humboldt County, Arcata specifically is the town. Uh, Papa and Barkley has uh, manufacturing facilities throughout the city of Eureka. And I'm in the next town over at home right now, awesome. surrounded awesome. by redwoods and weed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 you see the green, the green fence lines out there. I'm not sure if it's changed in the last couple of years, but the, the green was a tarped or whatever fence lines all over. Yeah. Up there.
1: Well, I think the good news is uh, many people have been able to drop the tarps because they don't care if people see their weed. You know, it's all, <laughs> it's all compliant now for the most part
0: yeah yeah it's still but you know for many years you drive through there it's pretty obvious what's what's happening man it, uh, it has an
1: aroma everywhere you go. exactly exactly you know we've been doing it right here for a while and um you know kudos to the small farmers and you know we've had some hard times cannabis is difficult in in california the fires here have been crazy in humboldt county you know uh not only the paradise fire we saw a lot of folks you know just lose their homes and everything and last year you know they were fighting fires in willow creek we have canvas farmers that it's not whether they they either lost their farm completely or their crop got smoked out rendering it unusable so yeah i'm hoping for i i kind of wish it was raining right now it's awesome and it's beautiful but we need the rain and we need to like yeah get to some more environmental practices to Mm -hmm. stop the fires
0: absolutely it's definitely been getting bad uh these last few years but i start every episode off with our guest origin story around the plant the plant being cannabis so both kind of personally and professionally i'm just kind of curious your 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 origin story with cannabis
1: key sure you know like most folks i dabbled in cannabis a little bit in high school i remember smoking those brass bowls barely being able to get it lit not really understanding press you know i'm old enough to have taken seeds out of my weed and scraped my fair share of resin throughout college of course you know definitely got down with cannabis um But it really wasn't until I graduated and met Montel Williams on a movie set. I originally was in in entertainment and, you know, he had MS and, you know, he was using cannabis therapeutically. And I really started to understand the true power of the plant. Um, And at one point in my career, I came out to California right in 1998. And this whole 215 thing was happening. And I was like, wow, there's then just meets the eye and advocating with Montel. I really started to see, okay this became a passion like luckily knock on wood i've been pretty healthy but i saw this helping everybody and my longtime growing partner had Crohn's, and it was like okay wait there are people that need this and of course i could never understand why like most people like when you know the science you're like why is cannabis prohibited again like i don't even get it and so yeah i dove deeply into cannabis in about 1998 1999 you know at one point I started growing a little bit. Two lights became four lights, became eight lights. We had these no-doc loan houses. And before you know it, I was like putting the ladies up. And by 2008, when the whole world seemed like it was crashing, I had these thriving ladies paying rent and it was awesome. Of course, I wish that you know cannabis was, had been legalized then and You know, being a little bit of an outlaw was stressful for me and my family, but I don't regret it. It was the right thing to do. Um, And that's how I got my start in cannabis, really, as an indoor cultivator, first advocating, then just providing access in the form of actual produced units to go to dispensaries um and then i was fortunate enough around 2010 you know when we saw the first e-cig like many people i was like oh cannabis should be in that right (laughs) so of course we endeavored to figure out with our propylene glycol mixes some of the old school disgusting (laughs) e-juice mixes we figured out how to put cannabis in that and of course i start sending those back east like you do and you know sending 100 vape carts is nobody's even checking for that back then compared to sending units. And of course, these Wall Street guys get uh, wind of this vape pen thing and they're like, oh, they forgot about cannabis. And now all of a sudden they're sleeping. So like, oh, we got to start a business. And so my first business was actually a vape pen business in Colorado Mm -hmm. with some VC guys. And that's when I realized I still had a lot more advocacy work to do. And so I came back to California. And while when I was a little bit younger, (laughs) feels like forever, but just 10 years ago, all I wanted was Roto Vaps and short path, distillation machines. I just wanted the science things that we were denied in the early days. And now I'm just blessed to have realized we didn't need all that shit Mm. and solventless and clean cannabis and mechanical separation. There's plenty of ways to get vape pens, edibles, concentrates without using not even one chemical.
0: Man, that is a impactful, impactful story. And I think, uh, it's it's crazy. I, I've read about the connection with Montel Williams, and it's interesting that he was really one of the first like public celebrities. I feel like that was advocating for medical care, at least in my you know, in my lifetime. I, I'm 34. I, you know, I I remember him specifically. I just remember when people like yo Montel Williams blows trees when I was younger. <laughs> we're Like what the talk show guy? Like he like people didn't you know just knowing that he smoked weed and was on TV made it somewhat like. Wow, I can't believe that. I don't know anybody that smokes weed like that. So it's crazy that you were connected at such an early level with one of the first influencers of cannabis, yeah. if you will.
1: No, look, it was the best use of his platform. And Montel's is the real one. You know, it's like not only medically, but he, he realized the hypocrisy of it. He served in the military, like I did. And like, especially around veterans affairs, PTSD, it's like, cannabis could be such a better help than all these other toxic things that we're giving our vets after they've served us. It's like, yeah, he's passionate about the plant across the board from day one. And yeah, back then when you think about Montel, that upstanding kind of like guy helping families, you know, on his talk show and then for him to come out, you know, talk about cannabis use, not only with his, his MS and then further with the vets and just normalizing cannabis. Yeah. Amazing work. And he's still continuing to do it today.
0: Yeah, huge. We we got to give a salute to Montel. That's 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 a crazy story and, and crazy that that how you're involved with that. So recently, you know, as as of this year, I know you were you were appointed CEO at Papa and Barkley, but you've been a co-founder and, and holding various titles there over the years. What what's changed other than in the the title with this with this kind of recent uh, change over there?
1: Yeah, man, look, I've been having a strong canvas vision for a while and I'm blessed to have a lot of partners along the the game and I've just been, I've been growing professionally and the company's been growing. Um, and so, yeah, I started making all these great products and of course at one point, uh, I, you know, there. I can't make all of them, so we started hiring other artisans. So I have a great hash maker making the best hash in California. Two years running, uh, great edibles maker, great chocolatier. Um, and so as the team grew, I just kept, you know, pushing up and leveling up to like have this great canvas vision. And now as CEO, I have a vision of our ampersand, Papa and Barkley, or Papa Select, or PMB Kitchen. We have a mark. You know, like anything about Nike, you think about Adidas, like you know those symbols and they mean something. Well, we have a first mover advantage and we want our ampersand to mean something in California. And so if you were to go to, let's say, a MedMen where we're partnering with them and we have like one of these tables, you walk in every product i have has certain values one they're all solventless right so they're all hash ice water hash keef, or some kind of lipid infusion right they're all chemical free right all the packaging is sustainable all the input product comes from humboldt right so it's just like excuse my dog there um (laughs) all these cultural elements and you know just passion for cannabis i often say the biggest uh, the, the the best ingredient in our products is not THC, it's TLC, right? And I want the ampersand to stand for that where consumers can walk into a dispensary and cut through the clutter and be like, oh, I know that if P&B is dropping some shit, it's the real thing, right? Mm-hmm. Our select product, uh, you know, not just first place, but first, second, and third Emerald Cup wins two years running for ice water. That's A, because of our farming partners right here locally that are just growing the fire, fire in is fire out. Um, you know, on the topical side, on the tincture side, we in many ways defined wellness at the dispensary, right? We pushed these products that were so efficacious to newbies. When you put something on somebody, your grandmother or your grandfather's hands, they're just like, oh, amazing. And you're like, Yeah, that's cannabis. That leads them to a tincture, leads them to the capsules they need. Before that, before you know it, they're off their oxycotton, they're off their Advil. They're using their CBD and getting greater mobility. And, you know, we call that the PMB funnel. We see that in the desert with, yeah. with the snowbirds there. So, yeah, uh, I'm on a mission. And so, yeah, I started making the products as I founded the company with my partners, Adam and Ellie and Scott. But as we've taken in money and leveled up, I've just continued to drive this vision and and just be that passionate, like, I want to take that money from wall street to make this happen but i gotta have the realness and i Mm -hmm. think over the years my partners have seen that like you know we can be quote unquote stoners but also be business people i understand what my bottom line is but i also understand where i come from and you know what i've been telling them recently is like you know how you get a thousand percent margin when people respect your culture your lineage and where you come from because what's going to separate my products is that i'm the real And so you are going to pay more for my products, but you're going to know my story. You're going to know that TLC was put into it. You see that in the wine industry. You see that in other industries. Why shouldn't we have it? A lot of these new cannabis producers out here are just like trying to make a buck. I'm trying to build a top shelf of cannabis, right? And so, yeah, it's been working. I mean, it's definitely like a dream come true. That's for sure. I love that. And and, you know, honestly, with you guys,
0: I have a a couple questions that that I want to build off that. But one of them is like. You know, Papa and Barclays really etched his name alongside, you know, I don't necessarily want to call it, you know, wellness because that's such a vague, large sector. But you guys have really carved out like a good hold, whether it's in the topicals or the CBD only or just the, you know, more sustainability like this wholesome wellness. I don't I can't think of just a singular word to describe it. But how have you guys how, what has gone into just being synonymous with that side of the business in, in California and
1: beyond? Yeah. So, you know, when we started this, I, I, I like to say that California has or that we have an expanded definition of wellness. And I'll remind everybody that even right now we go to dispensaries that by definition are putting out products that are good for you. We are not going to liquor stores. We're not going to grocery stores. We're going to dispensaries, which means we're going there for wellness. I mean, that's the definition. I know that we have adult use and it's no longer medical cannabis or medical marijuana. We've dropped that whole Trojan horse. But cannabis has always been about wellness, right? The feds and other haters might want to try to do recreational adult use. But for all of us, the, the healing of the plant has been obvious, right? No matter what, how we've been painted, it's always been about that mindset, that vibe, that love, that healing, always. So... Of course, we're synonymous with that. I think it's the others that might be out of step, mm-hmm. right? I do take issues sometimes when folks dumb it down a little bit or make it a little too drug culture, right? I'm trying to keep a high bar. I don't have a problem with, let's say, like, you know, some products that are like, let's say some grape flavored BHO vape pens. Okay, look, I drink grape soda. I'm not hating on that. There are levels to this. But for us, we want it to be at that top level, that canister level where it's not about stop, drop, and glob. It's about single grams that are over $100 that are like curated to the best terps where yeah. you can see individual trichomes, right? It's about edibles that have nothing else but the rosin that's driving the flavor, right? That's not easy to do. That's love to say, I'm going to make this extract. I'm going to decarb this extract with heat, but keep all them terpenes in there so it can drive an edible product so you can actually taste the strain. These are the things. That's the kind of innovation we're going for right? But wellness has always been the through line. Mm -hmm. I am the one to walk into a dispensary and clown them and be like, how do you have high high fructose corn syrup in that? Now you're just trying to make a buck off my industry. It's like, if you want to be a cannabis provider, it should be wellness. Cannabis, the healing of the plant, the natural aspects of the plant, we don't need to, to forget about that. Think about the world we live in. Where I grew up, we drank, we had white bread, we had white sugar, and now we have brown sugar, we have wheat breads, we are going to less refinement and more natural things across the board. So why wouldn't we just start there with cannabis, mm. right? Why would we try to distill, overprocess, process over-refine this natural plant that we've always taken in a natural form? Smoking was the primary way of taking cannabis. And is that wellness? Yeah, it is. You know, So I, I appreciate you saying that because I'm proud to be kind of associated with that wellness vibe of cannabis and now more than ever, that ampersand stretches all categories, whether it's our Kanagars in collaboration with uh, you know, uh, Albert Einstein or Albert Einstein, or whether it's our simple topicals that the oldest newbie can take in, right? Or whether it's our top sell- high-end concentrates, like whatever you're thinking about, I want to create that high-end product that is the best quality.
0: Yeah. And and I mean, and I think you guys have done that. And that's, that's interesting. I, I thank you for sharing that because it's, across this industry it's so fragmented and so many companies try to be so many things with no direction and so i think that's something that allows you guys to kind of navigate between the thc and the cbd from a a bomb for your grandma to a rosin for the 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 heads you know what i mean and and still be able to to do that authentically right because if it wasn't you get called out and it wouldn't be doing what it's doing in the market right now
1: Absolutely. And look, with the CBD thing, I want to be clear what we believe in one plant. The feds have artificially separated CBD out. What we offer nationally is because I believe, you know, if you live in Idaho and you need some safe access, at least I can present to you this. But our CBD products are still all solventless. They're made from a rosin. Of course, we source plants, whether it's in Oregon or Vermont, that have yeah flowers you could smoke. And we shake those flowers, get that keef, rest in peace, Frenchie, those fresh fruits come off. We press that into a rosin and we make our tinctures. We make our bombs. So the quality of the products on the national side are exactly like what they are in California. Not because we have to, because we want to. Mm -hmm. You know what's happening on the CBD side with all these carpetbaggers trying to make it like, I can't. Right. So we are, uh, you know, I'm trying to keep that integrity while providing safe access. I know that like people get caught up and be like, oh, a CBD is something different. It's the same to us. It always has been. And it's also one of the reasons why we haven't gotten into like the Delta eights or that kind of stuff, because that's for somebody else, I'm not going to disparage it, but I great, I grow and process and manufacture great cannabis products, naturally occurring cannabinoids that can be derived in a solventless way, right? That includes CBD. And since we've been able to do that, we offer them online.
0: And when it comes to sourcing, you know, the THC products in California, obviously you guys look to the Emerald Triangle and, and that's something I've known about you, your guys' brand for a while. How much of that is just due to the legacy and how much is it, of it is due to the Appalachian and just kind of the products that are grown out there? Or do you kind of see the legacy in Appalachian? I mean, do they just go hand in hand for you? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. Yeah, yes, the legacy and Appalachian go hand in hand and here at Pop and Barkley, we are big proponents of trying to push that forward. Right. I want Humboldt and Mendo and Trinity and all counties and regions to have their appellation and, you know, appellation and terroir, are not just where it's grown, it's also how it's grown. Right. So there's a little infighting now as we struggle to figure out what does Humboldt cannabis, for instance, mean. But it is important and it should have value like Napa. Right. And that is about the legacy of growing and all the different microclimates and our ability to pollen chuck and create the new new. Right. So we're going to get our due. We just need to get our eggs in the basket. That being said, I'm also proud to uh, understand the economics of the biomass. And the fact is, there are super grows opening in Lake County, in Santa Barbara and whatnot. And, you know, at one point you have to look at like where, where what's going on. That being said, we are very partial to humble because, like I said earlier, our farmers have been under siege. It's quite difficult. The, ta- the, 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 the taxing situation and the way even licenses rolled out in Humboldt had made, it more, had made it more difficult. So the more we can partner with our farms and get most of our biomass locally, for now, that's the right thing, even though we're not really getting any marketing or uptake for that, right? Like there is no real benefit to the Appalachian yet. Some people know Humboldt. Does it resonate with the consumer? Right now, our research isn't showing that. Do we want to make it resonate with the consumer? Absolutely. Right. I mean, a few years ago the consumer didn't even really know what solvent list is. Now people are starting to understand that and be like, oh, what, 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 what? Like whether it's a vape pen, whether it's, you know, people are in mind, oh, wait, I want live ro- I want hash in my edibles. Right now people, it's like starting to click in. There was, you know, the 250, 30,0 000 of us that had scripts before this all went down in 2016. We already knew what was what. It's the other millions that we're drawing mm-hmm. in that, you know, they take a little while to educate and as they get educated, they start to realize, oh, wait, there's this way of getting this clean, awesome cannabis and we should look into it. Right. It's yeah, I, 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 I'm I, loving that seeing people's mindset change and be like, oh, wait, it's not just cannabis like that. I get on the street and run away and make like I didn't buy it like I can actually educate and dive deeper. Yeah. That's how you get those margins. And so for our appellation, our legacy, I want to build that. I want to make sure we put that on a pedestal. I don't want MSOs to come over here and like roll over that, right? Because. The way we're going to be like Napa, the way we're going to get $1,000 of wine, the way we're going to spend instead of $25 for the average eighth, $100, $150 for an eighth, it's because it's some fire that came from somewhere from respected growers, respected artisans. You know, Right now, what we don't have in our industry is respected artisans, right? You have Jungle Boys and stuff, but you mostly have like alpha consumers. No disrespect to Jay-Z or Seth Rogen or Willie Nelson, but those guys are not cannabis growers. They're mm-hmm. alpha consumers. Yeah, they get down with some weed. There's no question, but what we need now is start to elevate folks who make products. That's why in our company, it's important that the artisans are front and center, right? I'm always gonna tell you, that's my hash maker, right? It doesn't matter that I'm CEO. It matters that that person made my gummies because they know how to work with the cannabis input and make it taste like something awesome. Not mask the taste of cannabis, but elevate the taste of cannabis so that we're creating something that is new. There are some of our gummies now that I feel like you taste them and you're like, wow, that flavor, I can only get that here because it's not <laughs> just watermelon, it's watermelon with a hint of cannabis and some hint of chili and like, wow, that Lindsay lady made it happen for us, right? That's what I'm talking about.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. I love the passion and, and thank you for sharing all of that. When, when it comes to, um, you know, you alluded to it a little bit earlier, but when it comes to kind of the differences of, of these products, again, the rosin, the maybe the CBD, you know, the bombs, everybody had, you know, there's different target demographics for these products. How do you guys aim to keep like a cohesive brand? uh, You know, just the, you know, the pillars of the brand, the messaging for the brand while reaching demographics that vary pretty drastically?
1: Yeah, no, great question. And it's so funny because like in the beginning, we struggled with this concept of brand identity and my partners were, yeah, how do you go from like starting with a topical to then like even doing the high-end concentrates, right? So in the beginning, we did bookended. We had that early dominant area in the tinctures and the topicals, right? The most extreme version of medical or wellness, even in the packaging, all the way to the other end with the black and white, like hi, I'm high on this high-end concentrate packaging, right? And now we have PB kitchen in the middle. The way we've been able to do it, the red line, as my salesperson says it, is the ampersand and the values it stands for solventless, regional, right? So that humble vibe right? Authentic, um, tox-free, chemical-free, sustainable in our packaging. So all those things in terms of a company are, tr- are true through all our brands that's our real through line messaging. But yeah, the bomb, when you look at that packaging, it's blue and white. It looks somewhat medicinal. It's definitely targeted to an older demographic that's looking for ailments. And then we put all our need state things under there, like our sleep suite, which is doing well. That's all Papa and Barkley. And then on the very other end, we have Papa Select. Papa Select does canagars. It'll do pre-roll soon. And right now, of course, it's doing this awesome concentrate. That's an award-winning concentrate. We just released pop we just released uh papa select sessions or papa sessions which is a 40 solventless gram designed for you to sesh with your friends mm-hmm. hence the name you know and i do hope that folks now that we're out of the pandemic it's cool that everybody has a dog, dog walker but just my opinion i like to pass the pipe i like to pass the joint i like i do like individual dads but i like them served right and we should be yeah, dabbing yeah. together we should be seshing together so sessions is out now and it's a great deal. It's all the love TLC solventless, awesome ice water hash that you come to expect from Select at that right price point. Is it a little bit more amber? Sure. You know, it's not the award-winning, but why? Well, if you want the science, it's washed a little bit more aggressively. So I get a a little bit more yield. So it's got a little bit more green in it, but it's still terpy. It's still melt your face yumminess, California yumminess, right? And then of course in the middle, we have PB Kitchen with chocolates and gummies, all again, sharing those same values of solventless, elevating cannabis flavor and terpenes. I'm not winning ice water hash competitions if I don't, if I'm not a Terp head, if I'm not about them Terps, as they say. So how could I then righteously create an edibles brand that ain't about them Terps? It's just that simple. And so even our chocolate, you can taste the cannabis. That's the point. People are often like, oh, I can taste the cannabis. It's like, I didn't realize I was supposed to mask it. In fact, the question I asked you was, does it taste good? Oh, this is fire. Right, exactly. That's the answer, right? So the way we've been able to navigate it is just staying true to the roots. Cannabis is awesome. Mm -hmm. And if you elevate cannabis and put it first, it's going to be all good. And the minute you realize that, oh, I don't have to put, I'm not going to, again, I don't want to be hypocritical, butane, ethanol, CO2, they're all great. But when you realize, as Frenchie told us, that you can just shake the tree and get these trichomes out and bust them open and their turps jump out and you can make quality products or you can dab it, well, that's awesome. And that's all we're looking to perfect. That is through all those lines and that speaks to every cannabis consumer, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. And, and, and again, thank you for sharing that as well. It's it's If you have something consistent that remains true, you, know, you can pop off in these different arms that maybe on paper might seem like, ah, it's doing a lot. But when you have those core those core pillars holding down each thing, tying it back into the, you know, to the parent, right? I think that's when when magic really happens. So when you guys are creating, you know, and, and I know you've been at the forefront of a lot of this, but when you're creating kind of new products, what's the thought process of, is this skew get added to an existing line or do we have to build a whole new line to, to,
1: to house this product? Great question. So I think now I have what I call buckets on the front end. I think we have the buckets where we can drop everything in. Uh, the only thing that we would have that we could do is like kind of like the Mercedes-Benz E class. And I don't know if I'm trying to do that. Right. Everything I have is high line and top shelf. Am I going to produce something that's like a little bit lower end and or compromise my values or brown brand pillars? Probably not. Right. You know, so if we come out with new edibles, new gummies, we have thing, you know, if we do flower or, you know, we have an idea where we want to support our humble farmers, maybe doing like a Papa's co-op like the folks in Mendo did. So, you know, shout out to the Mendo Growers Alliance, being able to take 20 farmers and partner with them and bring their products right to market and share in that margin. You know, again, cannabis is all about that love vibe right? Before we had contracts and lawyers, we had our word and handshakes. I made more money and moved more units, even with the, 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 the threat of law enforcement on just handshakes and that love of weed, right? That being said, I always want to help our partners and I don't look at competition the same way. And so if there's a way we can empower these farmers and bring their products to market, we'd probably do that under our select brand. Of course, as more science and innovation, our patches and different technologies come out that might help us, uh, create better cannabis medicines we'll put that under papa and barclay um and then of course any kind of confections mints uh i i want to bring back big goods you know if you remember back in the 215 days a lot of local dispensaries would have some abuelita mm-hmm. in the neighborhood that would bring real brownies you don't see that anymore right because our supply chain and the way we test is so onerous that by the time it gets tested my brownie is stale Right. Never mind the infrastructure that at scale, I got to go back like the bread man and br- pick up my stale ones. Right. And work that. But we deserve that. We deserve real soft baked brownies and cookies and Rice Krispies treats. Those are viable ways of taking cannabis that are, I dare say, traditional. So yeah. we're looking to get into things like that. But that'll be P&B Kitchen. That'll be, you know, that confectionery staff just bringing it to you and figuring out how to get how to get it done. And of course, we do self-distribute. I should mention that we have P&B Logistics. Um, That distributes all our products. We're in about 80% of dispensaries, um, primarily because, you know, it's like that 80-20 rule, you know, the 20 that we're not in are just either too far outlying or too small. No, no offense to them. But, um, yeah, you know, we're out here just doing this canvas thing. I
0: I love that. Um, And when it comes to building that brand, you know, you know, even to the distribution standpoint is. Um, you know, California is an incredibly large state geographically It's also large population wise. There's a lot of different demographics of people in a lot of different places. So to be in 80% of those places, obviously you're speaking to a lot of people. What are, what are some of the challenges or the things that have gone into making sure that you guys can distribute at that large of an area and then also
1: distribute messaging to ensure that people understand what these products are? Great question. And I, I really have to give a shout out to our logistics team because they are kind of like brand ambassadors. In order to be truly throughout the state, we have to maintain a certain level of respect and authority. I can't tell you how many times we put out packaging and one shop is like, oh, that's not compliant. And another shop is like, this is fine. And another shop is like, are you sure this is compliant? And so, you know, we have to be able to, all the way down to the driver has to show up and know enough about the products, enough about our processes, to be like, oh, this is what's what, right? We have drivers that are, more veteran than most of the dispensary workers they encounter right so we have we're blessed to have good retention especially in our logistics department so many of our drivers are encountering going to dispensaries where they know more about the dispensaries and the intake people that are working there so mm. it's taken a while to get to that 80 percent and really know everybody um and it's taken a lot of infrastructure i mean we have a hub in in los angeles We have a hub in Berkeley and we have a hub here. We used to have one in Sacramento until we got a bigger place in Berkeley. So it is a lot of area to cover, but mostly the way we do it is by having those drivers be in-house, be educated, as well educated as a brand ambassador or a salesperson so they can speak directly to the brand and all its processes. Of course, we also have a kick-ass sales team that also does a good job at educating. I think the way we established ourselves years ago was we used to have what I call an army of brand ambassadors back when the traditional market was switching and salespeople would hire like bud tenders and stuff to kind of be their brand ambassadors. Remember, it was kind of like that. Um, it seemed like every bud tender was a, a brand ambassador for X number of brands. <laughs> but we took, we went deep on that. And at one point it had like 40 or 50 brand ambassadors who were doing patient education days throughout the state. And at that time we were just doing our more basic set of like, uh uh, topicals and tincture and patch products but we were educating on solventless we're educating on cannabis wellness you know and how you use it as replacement medicine and that got us a lot of shine in dispensaries and we grew a section that they didn't even really have before Mm -hmm. uh we came along and started educating and then we've now springboarded into the concentrates and then of course the edibles
0: and when looking at, you know, you alluded to it earlier, right, the, the medical days of how, you know, hash is, is a booming concept right now in the recreational market, right? It's the hottest thing in the West Coast. Some of these East Coast states are, are getting it figured out, right? As the market matures, it becomes popular. But in the medical days, we've already kind of seen this transition. So for someone like yourself that's been around this as a, as a legacy operator, but also kind of looks at cannabis around the country, do you feel like adult use? is in any state is going to kind of follow that model of maturation that we've already seen, you know, pre-legalization in in established states like California. Although recreational cannabis is relatively new, there, cannabis culture and cannabis in commerce is not any sort of new thing to to the state of California. But do you kind of envision the legalization and the maturity of that industry following suit of of kind of what we've seen in the past already?
1: Yeah, I do. And, you know, and it's a brilliant observation. I hope others are hearing you right? Because we have had a long time to see users' behaviors mature in cannabis. And that's why sometimes when I see some of these trends, I'm like, really? You think that's going to work? Like beverages? We don't drink cannabis. We could have been making syrups and those things a long time ago. There's a reason why we didn't. Um, The way we hang out and we session cannabis, I don't think that a lot of the bigger players have understood. They're looking to think that we're going to be in a bar. Like, I'm not going to mention the brand, but on their website, it says same buzz no hangover it's like it's not the same buzz i don't have (laughs) a problem with alcohol don't get it twisted it's like but i like cars and like motorcycles i don't want a motorcycle car i want a motorcycle i want a car i want to go to a bar when it's bar time and i want to go to cannabis lounges when it's cannabis lounge time and Mm -hmm. i don't know that i need alcohol in the cannabis lounge that's a whole other concept but my point is how we use cannabis is very specific and I'm not even willing as a professional to drop anchor on how it's gonna play out now that it's really in the light. Because even in California during the 215 days, we were somewhat restricted. But now when I see like, we have a consumption lounge here in Humboldt and you see grandmas realizing that, oh wait, instead of an edible and faster than a tincture, I can engage in this thing called low temperature vaporization. The young kids might call it dabbing, but your grandmother (laughs) calls it aromatherapy. That's real talk, right? Mm. And now she can get into strains, and, and nuances of the subtleties and pair it just like she does her wine and use those same skills to understand what the different profiles are, listen to her body and see how it affects. And all she has to do is take sips. Now, of course you might be like, sips, I paid 80 bucks a gram for this. That's right now. The whole point of legalization is we're coming into abundance and nobody says that you have to clear your bong hit anymore or rip your entire you know dab. Uh, Sip it, smell it, taste it, enjoy it, get where you need to get. And if not, come back for more. That's the beauty of of Mm -hmm. cannabis abundance. We have been living here in abundance in California. So I don't think I ever scraped resin in California. I don't think I ever had to. Those kinds of things, right? So abundance is becoming to us more and more. And so that changes smoking patterns. But what we really need is destigmatization, right? Where we just normalize cannabis and we're like, no, we're about this. And 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 I want to understand it. And I, I don't we don't walk into a bar and say give me the strongest, give me the moonshine. We say give me the best crafted, the best tasting. Mm. Maybe we say the new new, right? Well, why can't cannabis have all those things as well, right? So, but how we can? The, the, what is the term? Uh, it, experiential cannabis. How we socialize with cannabis? That's not defined. We barely figured out dispensaries and how we're selling cannabis. But the next level is experiential cannabis. If I can't smoke at every concert. When is the concert gonna be where all we do is smoke? The best experience I ever had was Rick Ross High Times out in the desert some years ago. It was like I was inside a bong. <laughs> and Rose comes out with this like big, he had just dropped his own champagne or something with a big bottle, just glowing, just huffing it, everybody smoking. And I remember leaving, not a cop in sight. And it was like silent as like some 3,000 people just floated out of the NAS <laughs> stadium and just disappeared into the desert, right? Yeah, I want that. And we've lost that because the, the thing about legalization is those of us who have been here for a while, remember those kinds of events. And now it's hard to get a cannabis event premise, right? We, the fight is still here. We still have to fight for our rights because I'm not satisfied getting boof weed at a dispensary. I want my events. I want my cultural centers. I want it all.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. It's funny that the stigmatization of how so many of these cannabis events, where you can't smoke but you can drink liquor, while we're talking about the product that we're selling—you know—the actual event itself is furthering the stigma of the product of which they're selling. I don't—I I see that that hypocrisy. But but you said something um, that 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 really stuck out to me there, in just you know, again, the maturation of this industry and looking back and and seeing it about just these trends right smoking cannabis is never going anywhere the beverage thing i feel you i see all these reports beverages are going to replace smoking and this and that and I, and I i enjoy beverages you know i enjoy beer i enjoy cannabis beverages i think it's a great thing i think it's going to help break the stigma and bring new people to this conversation but i feel you when we're talking about cannabis anybody that's been around this i i got beverages in my fridge i got edibles but i'm still i'm sp- i'm smoking man i smoke weed that's what i that's what i do the act of breaking down weed you're not ever going to replace that and i feel you on the just the experience of what people go and i I love that thought of the aromatherapy right i'm gonna gonna take that with me of (laughs) with the with the older generation coming to smoking because i feel you even if you break in through through beverages likely vaping or or smoking is going to be eventually that's the end of that consumer you could experience expose the cannabis, you're going to end up consuming the way that this
1: yeah. plant. Everybody likes in. instant gratification. And while I like edibles, they're good for sleeping, man. I take my edibles towards the end of the evening, get that couch lock, and then I'm going to bed. But I'm dabbing and smoking all day long. Now, I appreciate the smoking carcinogens. That's a thing, but that's why we have vapor, you know, and Vape pens to me are kind of like a beer can. I feel like a vape pen can only be so much quality, even like, you know, we are developing, I, I thought I had it here, but we are developing a nice solventless vape pen, you know, shout out to Jetty Extracts, shout out to West Coast Cure, they already got their solventless vape pen. Shout out to Voda Extracts, my dudes in Colorado, award-winning solventless vape pens. So solventless vape pens are out, it's happening, but the thing about it is like, when you have that oil being reheated and reheated, it's not the same as an individual dab, right? Mm-hmm. We are looking at figuring out how we get, Dab flights. That's the other thing in terms of experiential cannabis. When you want to come to a bar or hang out and have a nice, attractive person serve you up dab flights and be like, you know, you and your homies and you do like a round of the garlic cookies and then they come around and you do a round of the purple punch, you know, and maybe the whole night, the whole group has done a couple of grams and you get charged out, whatever. We're still figuring out how to even do all that. And of course, the regulations don't allow me to break down shit right? So Mm -hmm. you buy your eighth and you're supposed to be happy sitting in a corner. Experiential cannabis, just like food, it's like, I don't buy food at the supermarket or at a restaurant to cook it on a grill there. I go there and pay a premium for them to cook it, for them to serve it, and for them to clean the plates up when I leave, right? We do that all day long. You go to a bar and for the price of one beer, you know, you could have got that six pack, (laughs) But you're so happy for her. And then even, you know, when you go to a bar and you're like, oh, go ahead. You can use my same glass. You're like, no, get you a fresh chilled glass because you're paying for it. When is that happening for cannabis? When am I going to show up and pay, yeah, three, four times the amount to have somebody, like you said, I could break it down, but they could break it down, roll a fatty, talk about it, tell me about it, school me on all its appellation and wonder, and then send it around to the group. And now everybody's excited and happy you know so i'm still looking to push the envelope and find how we get those experiential things regulated you know when will i be trusted to dispense cannabis like folks who are trusted to dispense alcohol
0: yeah i, I love that and, and i am looking for that as well and, and you just got me excited i honestly wasn't excited for lounges everybody talks about lounges and i'm like i don't ever want to go somewhere where i had to bring my own weed or buy just to sit around while you can do it at home, but I like, you know, the, the dab flights. I'm like, you know, you're, you're getting, you know, you're connecting some dots for me mentally <laughs> where I'm like, okay, now, now I personally see the allure. I, I can see that, but taking it back a second, we had some, we had some comments on the live about PNB kitchen. So I wanted to revisit that real quick because I know that release, that news was today. Um, you covered it a little bit earlier, but someone had asked what are the, the you know, the flavors and the products um, that are out and how they different from the, tra- or differentiate from the, the traditional papa that they've been using.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Good question. So, you know, I got this chocolate equipment. We're excited. And so before we had the brand, we did release uh, Papa and Barkley chocolates, both dark sea salt and milk chocolate, and we released filled caramel bites. We are going to loop those under the kitchen brand to your point, get things in the right order. But what you can expect from P&B Kitchen is the same high quality fair trade chocolate. We have a different format of the bar. So I had the chunky bar, now I have a flat bar, like more traditional shaped bar. So in the bars, you have um, two milk chocolate and two dark chocolates offering in the beginning. Um, You have a dark chocolate with raspberry quinoa crunch and mango, uh, mango, oh, I'm forgetting, I'm sorry, but mango something. And then on the milk chocolate, it's coconut and um, macadamia. Uh, We also, on the gummies, we have lychee, we have sour peach, we have pineapple ginger and we have watermelon chili fire fire flavors the watermelon is by far my favorite mm. think uh watermelon jolly rancher with some tahini on it and it's like fire fire um and then the filled bites will eventually migrate over to PMB kitchen but they're coming up uh in the second half of the year with uh cashew filled or wait i don't want to misquote this i believe I better leave it to the professionals. But there'll be another filled bite besides the caramel coming this year before we close out, and then later into next year there'll be pan bites and so on. You know we do have a lot of awesome chocolate equipment in house, and now we're just R and and getting ready to rinse and repeat SKUs under that. But um P- Pop and Barkley will still have uh, the nighttime chocolate. Will still stay under Pop and Barkley with the CBN, the pomegranate version. The Elderberry gummies will stay under Pop and Barclay's uh, sleep line. You know, so kind of like our functional edibles will stay with Pop and Barkley, but all the like sweet yummy flavors will find themselves the fun flavors and fun concepts, I guess will find themselves in P&B Kitchen.
0: I got to I got to check that out. So for, for yeah, sir, you mentioned fair trade.
1: Are, are you guys one of the only fair trade companies edible companies? Yeah. I believe we're the only people to get the mark. I don't want to take away from other people's shine. I think other folks may be purchasing fair trade chocolate for their products. However, shout out to Jonah Ginsburg, our chocolatier. He went through the trouble of ringing the fair trade company, wrestling with them. You know how some people get weirded out. Oh, you a cannabis company, but did the tussle with them. He had previously owned a chocolate shop and got us to have the fair trade mark. So. I don't know about other cannabis companies but we have a fair trade symbol on our packaging because it's important to us conversely we don't have that same mark for our concentrates and i mean for our topicals and our tinctures but we do source fair trade coconut oil and especially mct oil because yeah from my perspective if corporations are going to be citizens they need to be held accountable and when you see our product rest assured that as much thought has gone into not just the quality and the love of the product and the cannabis like we've talked about, but even everything outside, I want everybody in the supply chain to get paid. I want the packaging to be sustainable, right? As much work as I could do, I'm going to do for you because that's what should be expected. I want consumers to hold me accountable, hold my competitors ex- accountable. And that's how we'll level up the game. Mm,
0: mm, I, I love that. What And what goes into kind of even looking at Your supply chain or just product development or or refining the products you have on the market what's kind of the thought process on how you continue to elevate or make
1: things that are already good even better great point um great question i look so i've always said that i want to formulate products that are so steeped in cannabis science that the more you know the more likely you are to find our product when i was a kid there was a commercial where it was like an educated consumer is our best customer or the motorcycle safety foundation says the more you know the better it gets and that's how i think and encourage my formulators to think about products like is it scientifically sound are we doing the right by the plant right and of course as a solventless uh, entity it is a little bit more difficult to figure out certain advanced formulations, right? Finding a a solventless drink formula, powdered drink formula, which is available. Shout out to Atlas Edibles, because they already have one. So if you do want a powdered drink, solventless drink beverage, they have one. Uh, Ezra over there has created one. There are ways of creating these things, but when we think of innovation first, I just think simple. For me, I do hope that universities and other people research it and we find all nano-emulsions, fast titrating things, I'm, I'm for all that. But for me, from where I come from and where Pop and Barkley is and given our name, I'd like to stick to things that were grown in garages and made in grandma's kitchen. So if I can't make it in my kitchen, it's probably not going to happen, right? And that's not disrespect to folks who use higher technology, and there's going to be a place for all that. But we're going to create quality craft things that are somewhat simple. To that end, there's going to be all kinds of flavors, all kinds of form factors, all kinds of yummy treats to come, right? So we have a, a, there's too many ideas in the product roadmap in general, without even having to jump to fancy formulations or technology. And so for us, it's like, yeah, simple formulations that your grandma would make so that we can keep the TLC in there.
0: (laughs) And and that kind of answers one of my other questions is that importance of artisan in in the brand and like, and, and also originally like where that, came from when you guys started developing products originally of like why you felt the calling to to have artisan made goods
1: yeah it, that, it's everything and and anybody that says different is it, you know you know there's that meme now pay me for my experience not my time it does not matter how long it took somebody to make something and especially when it comes to confections with the topicals and the tinctures you don't really notice it but it's with the hash you do right anything we consume those subtleties Our palate is like better than any gas chromatograph, right? That's why I want you to be able to taste the strain in like the select edibles. You don't need a COA to know what's what. You shouldn't need a COA if I'm doing, if I'm expressing, just like in food, if I'm expressing the cannabis plant the right way, it should be obvious to your olfactory and your smell and your taste senses, right? And so that's what's important. And that only comes from artists and that only comes from passion you know people talk about oh well you're such a big business and you know is it scalable so when we talk about innovation one of the questions that come up we have a lot of great ideas is it scalable so for instance with our select gummies they were like can we really produce enough ice water hash and use this super process to decarb but yet keep the terpenes and have these strain specific gummies well it's not easy and of course i was like look just like everything nike can't produce enough of jordans apparently so it's always a drop and so yeah for our select customers there's a drop menu. And if you want, you know, when you want that strawberry jam jam, you might need to look on the website because it's going to hit your dispensary and be sold out probably before it gets there. I don't like the whole FOMO because I don't like to play in fear. But yeah, some of our products are capacity constrained because there's only so much love to go around. But um, and, you know, that is sometimes I, I get flack from business people because they're like, no, the only way to win is scalability. I'm like, no, the only way to win is to get paid for the value of your goods. And if my artisans are putting so much damn TLC that I can only make a thousand units a month, pay them for their experience. And so, yeah, to the folks listening, I would love to be able to have Select be closer to the $65 at punch where 710 is at, but we don't use automation, we hand row. It's like single mall scotch over here. There's so much love in the product that it's bursting out and well worth the extra $15, $20, my opinion. <laughs>
0: I love that. Well, and it's also, you know, for the for the market, right? Obviously, if it's selling, there's a market for that and there's a place for everything, you know, there, there there needs to be, I mean, every product, there there should be, there needs to be a product for every consumer, whatever their budget is and whatever they want, they can go and get that. If there's, like you said, you know, there's a scotch reference, right? There's plenty of liquor out there. There's $15, $10, $20, and then $40. And then there's plenty of scotch that's 300 a glass and it's it's getting sold not everyone gets to taste it not everyone gets to taste it all the time but for those that that uh value it you know the options there and people consume it man and, and i love that approach um it's not rooted in everything you said it's not rooted in we want to command the most price for this well you said you want people to be paid for their time so it's the whole supply chain eats and it's a viable business model it's not
1: I want to sell it at this so we can put more Ferraris in the truck. <laughs> it's a modern kind of flex. Because it used to be that we flexed that we had some money in our pocket. Now we need to flex that we are woke as fuck. Pardon my French. And that's what I'm trying to go for. When you pay for our products, you yeah, it's a flex. It costs more. But why did it cost more? Because it was done right. Because it's sustainable. Because it's, we do the right thing. We have this thing called best in class here. And at one point, one of my investors challenged me like, well, what do you mean best in class? What does that mean? And I was like, hmm, took me a minute. And then finally, I was able to come back like a month later. I was like, you know what it is? If you know better, you do better. You call me out and you say, oh, your packaging isn't this or your cannabis isn't this. I'm going to say thank you for that lesson and I'm going to do better. right? That's the difference between real hustlers and people that are basic. Basic people get offended when you call them out. Real people are like, oh, you just pulled my coat and showed me something and I should thank you because now I'm going to learn from that and I'm going to be better next time. That's what best in class is. And that's what we always aspire to here.
0: Man, and that is a flex. That is a real, that's a real flex right there. Um, you know, obviously PMB kitchen just the the, the release is uh you know, the news has dropped today. What else do you guys have on the docket for 2022?
1: So look, you know, cannabis is (laughs) with the taxing and the craziness, you know, California has been hard. We kind of batten down the hatches. We want to release kitchen. And on the second half, we're just kind of rinse and repeat. So look for new fill chocolate bites. Look for some additional select gummy flavors for sure. Um, But we really probably won't have anything new until the first uh, quarter of 2023 where we will have the pan bites. Not that I'm a big microdose person, but I like to eat stuff right? Thanks. And like, I want to give you something where you can get a handful of like one milligram bites and just fill your mouth with it and not feel like you're overdosing. So I'm, I'm interested in getting these one, two milligram micro bites out there. We've been doing R&D, trying to get those right. Um, more flavors again, across the board. Um, on the Papa and Barkley side, we have a new patch that's coming out, Patch Redo uh, in collaboration with Via Innovations. So uh, Via Innovations, Monica, Via Pondo, awesome uh, formulator created, um, those, those, what do they call those tabs? Those pro tabs, like so super bioavailable, totally into the nano thing has reformulated our patches for more, uh, effectiveness. We did all these tests in terms of dermis and whatnot. So those are out like in the next week, if they're not out already, um, you know, we just dropped a bunch of high potency capsules because, you know, we realize that even your grandma, she starts at five milligrams. But like if she's really trying to replace Advil or managing chronic pain and inflammation, we level up and we find our, a different point. And we realize now that people with real aim, ailments need a lot of THC. Like if you don't have anything wrong with you, 20 milligrams might be enough. But folks with Crohn's disease or yeah. MS, they're in the hundreds of milligrams and eating all this edibles wasn't working. So now we have some hundred milligram caps out, you know, 10 in a bottle for a thousand. That's for the real patients. You know what I mean? Um so yeah all kinds of like small innovations like that but really in 2023 we're going to open back up and you know start to look at the product roadmap i am looking to figure out how i come out with uh individually portioned dabs so that maybe you can get a dab gram that has more than one flavor again we got to work with the regulators because you know you can't package stuff um but yeah look we're always just trying to be creative over here and find out what the new new is and then of course this year we're looking for that right pheno. Who knows what's going to be the new new flavor? Um, last year it was that strawberry jam jam. You know, I think we're getting away from the fruits and we're going to get be heading back to the cheeses. That's what I see here in the cut in the entries. The osamines, you know, these terpene uh, the the osamine and terpinoline profiles seem to be all the rage. Um, yeah, so you know, just keeping it culturally relevant, seeing what, what's going to be the new new for the year.
0: I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing, Gee. I really appreciate you uh, taking time out your afternoon and, and sharing some of your journey. Uh, Papa and Barclays, uh, you know, all these different product lines and just uh, those those brand pillars, because I think so much of what you said is important. Ty, I learned a lot today and I hope other people out there, especially people out there that are have companies or starting companies and thinking of how to tie in these different things. I think there's a lot of game given uh, in what you what you shared today. man. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, awesome. Well, we'll talk to you again next time. And then for everyone out there, this is the RMR podcast, episode 32. Catch us on everywhere you stream fucking podcasts and YouTube and all that. Uh, We'll see you guys next time.